1: message series and uh it's like preaching through movies so and there's so many you could choose from but i was thinking to myself what's the appropriate one and i'm going to tell you have if anyone's seen the nolan ryan one if you like baseball it's got that movie is um, i have like nine messages i'm going to preach out of the nolan ryan movie if you have no idea who nolan ryan is it's still worth watching baseball fanatic but it's his career incredible Christian man. I'm just telling you, watch it anyways. And then seven of the nine, I'll still be able to preach to you. You know what I'm saying? It's that good of a movie. Uh, So, but I was going to show a movie clip on that, but you know, I couldn't get the movie. I don't want to do any, you know, illegal dark web ripping the movie. Yeah. So I respect, I'll wait till it comes out so I can get it. But I did see a movie a while ago. And really, there was this message, I believe, in March when we are going through our, our Bible reading. How many of you are still on track with your Bible reading? We're all going through it in a year together. That's cool. Nine hands. We started with 900. Okay, that's cool. It's not a judgment. Again, here, let me help you. Don't try making them all up, just get caught up. And then when you like, you know how you go binge watch Yellowstone all night long? Just wait till you're in that mood and then just binge download. Because I was getting in this thing where I was like, oh, I got it. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, quit getting religious on me. Just get where I need to speak to you. I was like, all right. But this message, the word was about in March when I read it. But I keep going back to it, and I keep reading it, and I keep getting revelation. I keep seeing through a filter of the scripture that I'm going to teach on right now. And it was it, it was. But God was doing it for me, but on my revelation, I'm seeing it with so many people that I meet, whether it's pastoral care, whether it's in the business world, the marketplace. It doesn't matter if it's inside the church, outside the church. I kept feeling like God was highlighting people that I could speak to so they could get breakthrough. So finally, I was like, man, I just need to preach it, and I was waiting for this series. I want to show you a clip. This is a clip from Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And C.S. Lewis wrote the whole Chronicles of Narnia. How many of you have read any of the C.S. Lewis stuff? Any C.S. Lewis stuff. Okay, if you haven't read C.S. Lewis stuff, I encourage you, get totally addicted by reading the screw tape letters. Yeah. And he's writing it from the perspective of Satan assigning his demons to come ruin your life. And you get tripped out. And you're thinking to myself, this I can't believe Satan took C.S. Lewis's book, and now it's his playbook. He just had the revelation on it, but it will equip you in radical ways, and C.S. Lewis is an incredible writer. This is more of the, the kids' books that I grew up with, The Chronicles of Narnia. This is one scene out of the movie, and basically, it is Lucy that wants to be like her sister, Title of my message is Identity Crisis, and I want you to watch this, and then we'll talk about what happens. Come on.
0: My reflection, cast into perfection, lashes, lips, and complexion. Make me she whom I'd agree, holds more beauty over me. I love this. All her children in one picture. Smile. Hang on, where am I? I mean, where's Lucy? Lucy? Who's Lucy? Susan, what's wrong? Come on now, miss. Nice big smile. Evan, I'm not sure about all this. I think we
1: ought to go back. Go back where? To Narnia. To oh, no, Narnia.
0: What's going on? Do- Stop! What have you done, child?
1: I don't know. That was awful.
0: But you chose it, Lucy. I didn't mean to choose all of that. I just wanted to be beautiful like Susan. That's all. You wished yourself away. And with it, much more. Your brothers and sister wouldn't know Narnia without you, Lucy. You discovered it first, remember? I'm so sorry. You doubt your value. Don't run from who you are. Bam! Bam. Come
1: on! I don't know if I like it because of the message or there's a lion talking to you. I just play that every night. You don't know your value. Yes, I do. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, such a great movie. But you got to understand there is an enemy that tries to take away the gifts that God has given each and every one of you in this place today. It's amazing what I find is that whether maybe it's how we're raised or the enemy whispering, but insecurities start to run rampant. And I get it. We live in a crazy world. But I believe the buck stops when you say, Jesus, come into my life. You're a new creation the minute you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you're a new creation, then the old things must pass away. And my question to you is, why would we want to go pick up something that he doesn't have for us? And so I'm going to read this context of scripture because I think it's so valuable to understand who you are, to know your identity in Christ, to know that he has called you to be the head, not the tail, to be above, not beneath. But why are so many of my meetings or pastoral care whatever it may be, in the world, out of the world, I don't see the separation between what the world's doing and what Christian believers are doing. And I refuse to be a pastor of a church, not to talk about insecurities. And how do we become an overcomer? Because God gave an overcoming spirit in every single one of us. And I refuse to let us be victims and say, I'm a Christian. Because I grew up that way as a Christian in a church. But if you're coming to awaken, guess what? We're gonna push the button. If I offend you, then come back Wednesday. Someone awesome's gonna preach. If not, Pastor going will be here next Sunday, he'll clean it up. All right, it's gonna be fine. But what I do wanna do is speak life and poke on some areas that we can look at so we can become bigger people to do bigger things that we're called to be. There is a gift on the inside of you and I don't need you to compare yourself to somebody else wishing you were more pretty, wishing you had more, wishing you could be this, wishing you could be that because that comparison will destroy your life. God gave you an identity and made you perfectly unique to do radical things if we can just allow ourselves to look in the mirror, to have incredible friendships that can point things out, not to pull you down, but to lift you up. So I wanna read my context today out of um, 1 Samuel 18, five through six. I love this book of Samuel because it's an epic battle and personal struggle of friendships, of violent hatred, of vice and virtue. Both First and 2 Samuel feature flawed and faithful individuals who can serve as heroes that we can relate to. I think both those books, First and Second Samuel, can be warnings for us how to navigate, how to not walk through a minefield and have things blown off in our life, but how we can pursue the goals God has for us that we can get across to the other side victorious, that we can have incredible relationships that honor one another, that we can be set apart, that we could be different than what the world has to offer. When people see your life, they go, I want what she has. I want not out of comparison, but because they see a joy. But if we can't walk out of here and have a joy in our heart, then why, I mean, don't, be cl- don't put a igthus on your card that you work with. And say, I'm a Christian if you look miserable. Yeah. I mean, dear Lord, help me. But when we start to compare, that's where the devil gets a foothold in our life, and that's where insecurities run rabbit. So I want to read just a, I'm going to start um, at verse 1, chapter 18, but I'm really going to focus on verses 5 to 16, but I want to give you the setup so you can pick up what I'm putting down. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. And he loved him as himself. They became best friends is what it's saying. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. He pretty much made David family. And Saul the king and Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with the tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Pretty much they were tight. Now let's get into it. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was uh, welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, that's the story of David and Goliath, by the way, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet, the, to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands, and David is ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said? They credit David with 10,000 and me with only 1,000? Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. That very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp like he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand. He had suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. Just remember that, twice. Saul then then was afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did. Somebody say everything. Everything. Come on, for the Lord was with him. How do you know it's a good thing when the Lord is with you? All right, I want some of that. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all of Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. See, what happens in this scripture, it was one line, really. It was one line that triggered a whole lot of insecurities, And we're going to get into that. But I want you to know something. The enemy will always whisper, who do you think you are? You're nobody. See, when the enemy makes those whispers, you have one of two responses. You either put your amen to it or you tell him he's a liar, which he is, by the way. Because at the root of all insecurity, the anxiety over what people think of us is really just pride. Pride. Proverbs 16, 18 teaches us that pride becomes before the fall. It's our pride that drives us to want others to see us as perfect and admirable. Insecurity is the fear that they won't. I grew up, and I never knew it was pride at the time, but I was living a Christianese life. Everyone thought everything was great. Everything was, and when I had chinks in my armor, I didn't any want anyone to see it. So I'd put on everything. I didn't want to let my parents down because they raised a good Christian boy. I was a good Christian boy that went to Westmont. Didn't want to let anybody down. Finally, I just said, forget it. I'm going to live real. And boy, that rattled a whole lot of people, mostly my family. But I'm going to tell you, for the first time, I felt peace because I was at least being real. I wasn't double-minded. I wasn't living two lives. I wasn't going to church on a Sunday pretending I was good, and then I'd be downtown on Friday night. I just told my mom, I at least have peace, because now you know who I am. And this is where I was. But thank God for a Pastor Jurgen in my life. That saw some gold in me, was willing to hang, in with, hang with me and get me through my insecurities to speak life into me, to let God heal my heart, to let God heal these insecurities in my life. I spent a lot of money in personal development and a lot of money in counseling, but guess what? I stand before you, a new man that literally, if God says I can have these things, I don't take myself out due to insecurities. Which I see so many people do. As King Saul, just think, King Saul is dangerous because fear can lead us to deception, disorder, and disobedience. And that's what happened to King Saul. He let his insecurities trigger a fear on the inside of him that led him to the destruction of his life. Another title I could have used today, Insecure, The Rise and Fall of King Saul. A man who allowed insecurities to cause him to turn his back on God and lose it all. What are your insecurities showing up for you today and what are they taking you out of? See, I realized a while ago that we should all be celebrating instead. Sometimes we can hate. What we are meant to celebrate, we become a little hater. And I know there's a little haterade in all of us. It's the little haterades that we get. It's the little foxes that ruin the harvest. No one's going to be like, oh, I hate people. No, no, no. It's just the little. I want to talk about the little things. See, how many of us, God will send a gift in our life that should be assets, but because of insecurities, we turn them into liabilities. Our insecurities ruin what God sent to bless us. I can't tell you how many times this has showed up in my life. David didn't bring insecurity to Paul. David's gifts expose small thinking and insecurity in Saul. It's amazing that he didn't see this. In, he, it's not like David's like, I'm going to see what I can do to squeeze it. No, he just showed up being himself and Saul saw the bigness and the gift on David's life and it brought up all the insecurities in his life. So my question to you this morning is, how can you handle people that are more gifted than you? What would you do if God sent you a David? See, my daddy taught me, you may be wonderful, you may think you're smart, you may think you're successful, you may think you're good at mowing lawns here in this small little town in Auburn, but I'm gonna send you off to college and you're not gonna be the big boy on campus. My dad set me up, he told me, get ready son, I don't want you to have a revelation. Yeah, I grew up like in a good Christian family. It was amazing how many of my cousins were all grown up. You know, they're all preachers in the family. They grew up, but then when I went to college, my dad prepped me for the real world. It was amazing. My cousins were living in this Christianese bubble that they got a little rattled when they went to college to be a witness. But my dad said, you grew up in a small town, son. You're not going to be the smartest one in your school anymore and I hope you're ready to handle that. I wasn't. I, was, I got very insecure when I went and saw how beautiful all these people were. I, I went to Santa Barbara, I went to this nice little West Mile. I went down to the surfer club, they were all better looking, more ripped. Their hair was all long like Keanu Reeves. I was like, what is wrong? I called my parents, you did this to me, I'm a hick from the country with no fashion. What is a mullet anyways? No. But it's amazing that you had to realize like now I'm going, do you want to be a big fish in a small pond and never do anything big? Or can you develop, can you be a small fish in a big pond and grow into what God's called you to grow up into? There's always going to be a preacher, especially in this church every other week that's going to preach better than me. Do you know what it's like preaching after Pastor Jurgen? <laughs> then he asks you to come speak at the conference and you go after the one that just called down fire and glory and 400 people on the altar, and I gotta go next? <laughs> you know what that does to you? Yeah. So Pastor Jurgen is you wanna go before Rex Crane or after? How about neither? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't I just sit this one out? You know what that's like? It brings out every insecurity, but you have to trust God because God saw something in me and he said, I'm going to put something on you. So if we're going to cut your heart open, what would we find today? How do you manage life when your heart may have jealousy or envy in it? You know, when you're consumed by jealousy and envy, like King Saul, and you don't manage it, it will take you out. You will all have it. Don't act all Christianese on me this morning and pretend just because you love Jesus, you got no hater aid in your heart, and you love all people, and you want to see everyone blessed. No. You always will manage this. It's a little fox. The enemy will try to put fuel on it, will try to ignite it, will try to enlarge it. Jealousy and envy are not the same. They're cousins. Jealousy is when you are fearful of losing something important to you, a relationship, a job. The root of jealousy is fear. What are you fearful of? Envy is when you get angry because you believe something or someone has what you think is yours. The root of envy is anger. We will all have pieces of it. You might have invited the girl to church, but she's dating somebody else in church. Oh, you may have been here longer, but somebody else is now speaking in DNA and you wanted to, you wanted to be on that team you wanted to be on the high team, but someone with bigger guns. <laughs> so if we don't manage and we're not careful, jealousy and envy are both an inside job. They're going to kill you from the inside out. So what do we do? And I need you to keep asking yourself, how do I handle David's in my life? How do I handle people more talented than me in my life? It's gonna show up your entire life, so then how do we manage it? Number one, be grateful. When you are grateful with what God has blessed you with, it guards you against the temptation of comparison. If we can learn to be content in all seasons, you can guard your heart against jealousy and envy. It's amazing because when we're content, we don't need to compare. See, in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, God finds Saul's replacement. In 17, David defeats the Goliath. What I love about David, and I'm going to preach a whole leadership message on it. I just had this revelation. It was amazing how Saul said, hey, put on my armor. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if it wasn't good enough for you, why don't you just put it on? Why don't you go fight that battle? Why are you trying to put someone else's armor on somebody else that was meant for you? Come back next week. Stay tuned. It's going to be good, I promise. Still working it out. That was like last night at midnight after Tim McGraw, so I was like, but why didn't he use what he already had? Chapter 18, David comes into the home of Saul and becomes best friends with Jonathan, but then six verses into chapter 18, listen, victory has just happened. You need to understand this. Israel's making its way home. The women are singing praises. They're praising King Saul. He killed his thousand. And David is ten thousands. But here's the truth. What's the truth? David only slayed one giant. David slayed one giant, and they're singing a song about ten thousands. But then Saul... Let his insecurities started coming up. Instead of just looking at the truth, no, I just took down a giant. He started comparing himself, and that one moment changed everything. He wasn't even focused on the first verse because he was too caught up into the second verse. He was caught up on someone else's praise about how good they that he forgot that he was getting praise as well. His insecurities took over. It's amazing. Come on, we've been around people that inflate numbers. Now that I'm in the church world, like, how many comes to your church? not enough how many come to your church 20,000 okay that's great bro it's a ama- you can get caught up in like what's the numbers game I grew up in chiropractic how many did you see this week uh not enough they love the numbers game but how many people my fish was this big bro I saw it on Instagram it was this big oh I get it bifocals you're right that big I hear you But it's amazing, you know, don't get caught up in social media. Everybody's putting on their flash life. Look at this. Check out my new car. Bro, you rented that. I saw it. That's my buddy's car on Turo. It's a cool car, though. I'm just saying, we get in this comparison and the world doesn't help us. But he couldn't appreciate line one because he was fixated on line two. His mind started going places. He was focused on David and he forgot all about his praise. So how do we break out a comparison? We celebrate what God's given you. Shout out your 1,000 before you compare it to someone else's 10,000. Wherever you're at, shout it out. Wake up, what's your gratitude journal look like? My three, my seven, and my nine-year-old all have gratitude journals. Obviously, my three-year-old doesn't write, but I talk to him, what are you grateful for? What's your high of the day, what's your low of the day, what are you grateful for? It's amazing that one of my kids is a little stubborn on the grateful journey. So I'm watching him like a hawk. Like, what's your problem, bro? I don't want to tell you what I'm grateful for. We got problems. I'm going to throw you in the pool right now. I want to know what you're grateful for. Otherwise, in five minutes, you're going to be grateful that you have a bathing suit. But it's amazing that if we don't teach ourselves and get our mind around it, God can't bless you beyond your level of gratitude. What are you grateful for? Comparison is what we do when we're not content with what God is doing for you. Are you happy for anyone? Are you living in the gap? Or are you living in the game? That's a whole book for all you business people. Go get it. you living in the gap or the game? but it's just about appreciation of gratitude so you don't get stuck in comparison. Point number two, break limiting mindsets. When you go back and you read verse 10 to 12, come on, we could read verses 10 to 12. I want you to hear this. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. and began to rave in his house. That's called manifest, like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did, so he brought his harp. But Saul had a spear in his hand. Whatever's in your hand's already in your heart. David came to help him. He had a harp. He had a gift to play the harp. He brought it. He loved Saul. He wanted to help him. He saw a friend being tormented. But all Saul could do because of the jealousy and the envy is pick up a spear and huck it at him. Not once. David stayed because he loved him so much a second time. If that doesn't prove loyalty, and just to let you know what type of pastor I am, I'm a one-spear pastor. You throw it at once, I'm probably coming at you. Throw it twice, I'm definitely coming at you. I am not David and I'm working on it, spiritual maturity. I just wanna be transparent of where I'm at so you know. Pastor Juergen's probably a two-spirit. He's a two-spirit pastor, I'm a one-spirit. But I am working on it, we're praying through it. But I just wanna be honest with you, I'm trying to get rid of my limiting belief. I wanna be a two-spirit pastor. I will be there, I prophesy in the name of Jesus. But what I'm saying is limited beliefs, not only do they limit you, That tries to project and control others. See, God allowed Saul to get in a funk. David had a gift to help Saul, but Saul didn't want it. See, what's in your hand is already in your heart. David cared to break that, but jealousy and envy manifested, and they usually happen to those that are closest to you. Mine said, I want you to be blessed, but not too blessed. What kind of friends do you have? See, I've lost a lot of friends over my life coming to Awaken. Some of it's just because I came to Awaken. Oh, you go to that church? All that prosperity doctrine? No, no, they just want you to be (laughs) successful. Yeah. Why am I apologizing for my success? Huh. See, you find out the truth about who your friends are when you start getting blessed. What am I going to do, start apologizing because of my success in business? What am I going to start, like, I drive around and park further away so you don't see my nice car that I'm blessed with because I work hard? It ain't the church money. It's amazing how many friends can't handle your success. But then we subconsciously lower the bar so they feel better. What kind of friends are in your life? Are they celebrating your success? And are you the type of friend that's celebrating your friend's success? You know, I meet so many people that love to hang with you when you're lower than them. But as soon as you start leveling up your life, hashtag levels and lines, they didn't like that hashtag. So then they start getting weird about you. But if we're big people, If we're Christians meant to cheer each other on, disciple each other, the Bible says we go from glory to glory to glory in an upward spiral, but why are so many lives of Christians going down and down and down? It's like we gotta apologize for winning. We gotta apologize because we're taking campuses. We gotta apologize because God's blessing our church. Why do we have to apologize? Because you don't wanna think, that's called a limiting control mindset. And I refuse to let you as believers to a God that has unlimited potential for your life, that has called you and called you out of your funk to get breakthrough in your life, but you rather have jealous or envy, let that stuff go, break it off today, run to the altar, <laughs> do whatever you need to do to let God have you look through another lens so you can, when your friends win, you're the first one to call them. When your friends win, you're not trying to control them, you're saying amen, a boy. let's go, what's next? Let's be the example. It's amazing. I watched Pastor Jurgen lose some friends as our church became bigger than theirs. It was heartbreaking to me, but he had such a great idea because I'm going to love him. It's their insecurity was exposed due to our success, our favor, our blessing, what God was doing in our church. But why should Pastor Jurgen play smaller to make those friends feel better? He didn't. He leads by example. He still loves them. He's still there for them. They took themselves out. Let's not be the church that takes ourself out for God's blessing and favor in our life. You know, and I know you guys are saying, oh, that's not me, pastor. It ain't me. I'm supportive. I'm a good friend. Listen, I grew up in church. You mask up real good. I could smell it. A religious spirit bugs me. I told pastor, you never put me in the pulpit. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't even like Christians. Like, I just want to be real. I just want to live a real life. If I love Jesus, great. I just don't wanna like play small because I have to be a pastor now. And he goes, I refuse to put you in the pulpit so you can change your lifestyle and play small. I said, okay, well maybe I'm open to it. And he goes, and then God will give you the ones that wanna resonate on that level. And I said, all right, send them my way, Lord. You send them, I'll serve them. But I'm not going down, we're going up, church. You wanna be blessed? let's be blessed together. Let's celebrate others. I just don't wanna be around a bunch of shade-throwing Christians that can't celebrate each other. Can we show up that picture of Michael Phelps? Because this is what success looks like. Success is one guy looking at the finish line while you are looking at success. I wanna be the Phelps church, not some dude looking over going, oh, what's he doing? Don't be caring what we're doing, we're going. Sprint towards Jesus, look left. I tell guys all the time, you want an amazing woman? Run as hard as you can towards Jesus you look left and look right who's ever run next to you they're running towards jesus too that's who you want to connect with don't be turning around backwards and then slowing down because she's so pretty just focus on jesus that girl's going to start to outpace you just lean over and grab her hand and say let's do it for the kingdom amazing don't take yourself out limiting beliefs and you might not say you're limiting but i just want to show you let me give you an example It's when people, I want to give you a little fox. It's when people say, are you sure you have the money for that? Are you sure you should quit that job? I mean, you're making a lot of money. Are you sure you should do that? Like, is that safe? Well, listen, God gave them the dream, not you. Why are you throwing shade on their step of faith? That's a shade hater. That's what I'm saying. It's just a little fox. But are you saying, let me put an amen. If God's in it, let me put an amen to it. You want to do that dream? You want to go into partner with that person? Come on, let's just pray about it right now. Let's see what God's going to do. Don't be saying, oh, man, are you sure you should be dating right now? Didn't you just get out of a relationship? Are you sure that's the girl for you? Why don't you just slow your roll a little bit? No, why don't you say, well, hey, why don't you get in premarital? Why don't you get around right people? Get around some of these great connect groups. Let's be praying through this. That's what I'm talking about. Celebrate one another. Put your amen to it. See if God's in it. Counsel them. Don't throw a little shade. Don't try to put their dream back up on your shelf because you're not big enough to handle their dream. Is that too much? I'm sorry. Dang. I didn't mean it. Point number three, celebrate others, don't be a hater. I kind of just switched into that, but Proverbs 28, 10. I just want to give you Bible. You ready for Bible? Beware, the pit you dig for another could be your own grave. Ooh, is that too much Bible? Let me. I'm just going to water it down a little bit. What goes around? Oh, okay, you know that one. You reap what you... The Bible says Saul moved from jealousy to envy to fear. Saul tries to kill David five times over eight chapters. Boom. And you gotta remember, what's this over? It's over one line in one song. And so he spends the rest of his life trying to destroy someone else because he can't get a grip on managing his heart. You picking up what I'm putting down? It's amazing, but we can live in this every day. See, if I preached a message from David's perspective, and I'd be telling David, dude, you know your enemy did you a favor? Because it's going to show how God favors you in your life. They put you in a place to show God's favor over your life. See, Saul sent David to the front lines in battle over a thousand men, thinking that David couldn't handle the battle. He's like, you know what? I hate that guy. I'm going to send him to the front line of the battle. He's going to pay for this. He won't be able to handle it, but let me tell you something it even ended up looking more favorable for David. Saul's anger elevated David even faster in the eyes of a nation. If I was preaching a leadership message, I'd be like, give a shout out to your haters. There's been some people in my life that couldn't tell me I could do things and I gotta give them a shout out because that's why I'm doing it. Oh, you could never do that. Oh, really? I think I'm gonna do it. My Bible says, David didn't listen to his haters. See, that's why David wrote in the Psalms, he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Let me tell you something. David knew what he was doing. He knew every time. See, what God's hand is on. See, what, no matter what happened to Saul, he would never defeat David because God left Saul and put his hand on David. Whatever David was gonna do, God was gonna say, amen. And Saul was just going to keep beating himself again until he had to fall on his own sword. And he was willing to do it. See, be careful what you say or do to a child of God. Romans 8.31 says, if God's on our side, who or what can stand in our way? Who could bring condemnation against a Jesus-loving, God-fearing Christian? who can be against us. You know what the correct response is? Nobody if your heart's right. You're a child of God. You better know that. Get a little bit of attitude. When people pipe off all the time, you'll be like, man, I need to pray for him." I don't even feel bad. I don't get angry at him. I just know God's blessing my life. I'm sorry you're upset about it. I'm going to pray for you. I maybe block them on Instagram because they go next level on me. But I'm still going to pray for them. I love actually being friends with some of my haters now. I had this one guy, I knew I'd like him, he's very successful, Mandy he hates me because I love Jesus. I've never, I finally said, dude, you give me a lot of attention on Instagram. Do you got anything going on with your life? Oh, that double downs on him. But now I could tell we're gonna be friends. I'm getting this dude saved. I mean, I told him I'm gonna chase him down to the end of days, but I kinda like his attitude. He's really good at volleyball, he's competitive, successful. I mean, I'm like, bro, you're me, but like yeah. the dark side. I said, I'm winning you for Jesus. And he goes, not a chance in hell. I said, it's going to do it. And then lots of bad words. I said, all right. We're going to hang out, man. One example, one story, and I'm going to pray for you. I remember I was walking to my buddy's house. He got a house about 2000, I don't know, maybe 14, in Del Mar, overlooking all glass. I mean, it's even on like. MAPS is like the glass house. I'm walking through it. I'm like, oh, look at that wine room. Oh, look at that exercise room. Look at that pool. I was just walking around like I had a little bit of Saul coming up. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't know. I had not the revelation at this point. I'm walking around his house, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm not getting that bottle of champagne out of my car and coming in to celebrate this guy. He's fine. Yeah. I saw like 40 bottles in his new wine cellar. He doesn't need my one. And then the Holy Spirit. So what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean what am I doing? It's like, you're here to celebrate your friend. That's why you're here. Go get that bottle. And I was like, (laughs) I'm just being transparent. I had some stuff in my heart that my friend had this pimpin' house that's looking amazing. I opened the garage and there's a McLaren in it, I'm like, dang, what is he doing? I'm smarter than him. <laughs> I'm just, and immediately, I felt God say, you don't like what I've done for you? Wow. Oh, you don't like the house I bless you with? That was your God story for like two months at men's prayer? Yeah. I literally repented right there. I was like, no, no, because I remember the next line, Holy Spirit nudged me. I was like, well, I bless you. I could take it from you. I'm like, no, we're good. We're good. I love my house. I love my life. My car's just fine. I don't need a McLaren. It's too expensive anyways. The upkeep. I'm fine, Lord. Matter of fact, I'm going to change my heart attitude right now. I mean, I literally went and grabbed that champagne. I went and cracked it and I sprayed it on. I said, I'm here to celebrate you. I changed my whole attitude in literally one minute. I just didn't want that envy or that jealousy to overtake my heart. And it started as I was getting a bad attitude. But I'm gonna tell you in a moment, that's the Holy Spirit's your helpmate. In a second, he helped me realize that there was, take that thought captive, Dr. Matt. That thing right there is not gonna help you. Take it in, this is your friend who you love. And I know you're grateful for him. I got grateful real quick. I realized I needed to celebrate him real quick. I needed to change my mindset just because he's successful doesn't mean God can't make me successful. And then when I just got blessed with my new house in December, guess who was the first person to drive over and celebrate me? It was him. I'm going to tell you, I could have taken myself out with one bad thing. We got to celebrate one another. We got to see the blessing on one another. We got to prophesy over one another. We got to make sure we put a yes and an amen to some people's dreams up in here, that we can help be encouragers of one another, not a bunch of Saul's, but some David's. And see, never covet a gift. You don't know what a Rex Crane went through to get that anointing. If I had to show you, would you really want it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy Kabbalah, who's a great evangelistic healer that travels around the world, and yes, radical people get healed. Cancer healed. In a moment, I've seen radical men. He lays his hands on But you know, he died twice from cancer and was resurrected. Do you want to go through all the chemo? The sterilization? The things that he's been through in his life. Would you pay the price to want the gift But you'll covet the gift You got to be careful Because you never know what someone's been through In their life If you can't celebrate somebody How do you expect God to bless you I want every one of you to be blessed So we got to learn how to celebrate Pastor Jurgen is the greatest example I know Of honoring and celebrating people Let's be that type of church. Last story. I know I said last story, but it's quick. I read this fable of this eagle. And this eagle got jealous of another eagle flying way high. And he saw a hunter down below. So he flew down and he told this hunter. It's a fable, by the way. Just want to help some of you. This is not the Bible. Went down and he just said, Hey can you kill that eagle? I said, no problem. Only problem is my arrows don't have big enough feathers, so go fly further. He goes, oh, that's fine. I got plenty of feathers. Gave me some feathers. Whew, missed. All right, here's some more. More feathers. Got higher, but still short. Did this routine back and forth, back and forth, and finally the hunter looked over and realized that eagle's never going to fly. Shot that eagle. Killed that eagle. Due to that eagle's jealousy, my question to you this morning is, what feathers are you giving away? What can we let the Lord highlight today where we've been stuck in comparison? See, a true character isn't tested till we get around to other gifted people. Can we get around other big people that are winning and you be okay with it? How is that going to either inspire you or let some stuff come up? Because let's be real, church stuff is going to come up on every journey where I've been invited to bigger circles. I've had my insecurities, but the goodness is, the good news is I have a helpmate that immediately points it out and keeps allowing me to go into bigger circles, whether it's in business, whether it's in ministry. Man, I was just grateful back in 2006 to carry Pastor Jürgen's handbag to Presence Conference. And I was around greats, and then he brought me in the green room to meet all these great pastors that now I can call friends today. But as a young kid that was barely on the track like a Jesus, Pastor Juergen knew I needed to be around some greatness, but I had insecurities coming out. I don't deserve to be in here. But you know what? You are worthy. You are worthy. God died for you. Jesus died for every one of you in this room. He died no matter what mistakes you've made, how small you've played, how much jealousy. He died for you, but guess what? He can take all that sin. He can take all that condemnation. He can take all that wrong, and he already righted it for you. All you have to do is say, I need Jesus. That's why I love that song, I Speak Jesus. And even when you say, I need Jesus, guess what? It's a daily, on the daily daily, I say I need Jesus, and the bigger the levels, the bigger
0: the devils, and it will keep you humble. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com, or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing, it is chock full of incredible messages,